Hello and welcome to episode 279 of the Juice Box Podcast. Today's episode is sponsored by Dexcom, Dancing for Diabetes and Omnipod. You can go to myomnipod.com forward slash juicebox, dexcom.com forward slash juicebox, or dancing the number four diabetes.com. There are also links in your show notes and at juiceboxpodcast.com. I don't even know how to begin to explain this episode to you, so I'm going to keep it simple. Jen had to have her pancreas removed for medical reasons. She'll explain the entire thing to you. It's fascinating. But if I try to like pull together a couple thoughts about it here, I don't even know what I'd end up saying. The only thing I know I should say for sure is that nothing you hear on the Juice Box podcast should be considered advice, medical or otherwise, and to always consult a physician before becoming bold with insulin or making any changes to your medical plan. If you're enjoying the Juice Box podcast and you'd like to help it grow, please share it with a friend. Just, you know, maybe take their phone from them and be like, hey, look, this is your podcast app and this is search for the Juice Box podcast and subscribe. A lot of people don't understand how to do that. Or send them a link or something. That's probably viable too. All right, ready? Here's Jen. Hi, my name is Jen. I'm 28 years old. I live in New Orleans, Louisiana, and I live without a pancreas. Excellent. See, you've done a very good job of introducing yourself already. This is excellent. Jen, Jen was very worried that she could not introduce herself properly, but we're past that and we're moving forward. Jen, Louisiana, born there? I was not. Um, I grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio. Um, I moved to New Orleans four years ago. My husband is in surgical residency at LSU, and we moved here to um, let him complete that. That's a six-year program, so we're down here for at least six years, and uh, hopefully moving back to Cincinnati after that. How are your sweat glands doing in Louisiana? I'm not doing great. I will be honest with you. Uh, It's very hot. I always tell people that between the months of April and October, like count me out. Like if you want me to go outside, (laughs) I I can't promise that I'm going to, but um, those other months are perfect and just beautiful. But not between April and October. No. When do they do that thing with the beads and the boobs? When is that? Oh, that's Mardi Gras. That would be in February. February. Okay. My wife's always talking about like, we should try Louisiana one time. And I'm like, I don't want to be warm or see weird bugs. That's those concerns. Um, yeah, you wouldn't do well here. Um, (laughs) (laughs) if you don't like, if you don't like to be hot and sweating in your own house, then, um, then you might want to, yeah, you might want to consider elsewhere, but it is a very fun place to visit. And I, I always say that it's very different to live here than it is to visit. Uh, I'm not like on bourbon street every night, like getting wasted. It's, it's mostly just me in my house, but I understand that. <laughs> I tell you right that, now. Go ahead. I'm so sorry. I was going to say that part of New Orleans exists and the suburbs exist, and that's where I'm at. You're making me think that Austin's not just a big film festival now. All of a sudden, I'm 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 rethinking everything. 
yeah, I mean, every city has its, its thing. Um, has its thing. That's yeah, right. Yeah. So Jen, uh, I made Jen just so you guys know turn off her air conditioner because of the noise. So she's going to start wilting any second now. And it's already happened. Yeah, it's it happened. happened. We're going to have happened. to move quick. <laughs> no, please don't. So please Jen, don't rush. It's it's doing fine. All right. So guys, listen. Jen's nervous. She's been overthinking being on the podcast for six months. That's my fault. I didn't know she was thinking about it that hard, or I would have tried to move her up in the schedule. Uh, so <laughs> anyway, Jen's on for a really super interesting reason. And I'm going to ask my first question out of ignorance. Do you have type 1 diabetes? Next time you're near your keyboard or on your smartphone, go to dancingfordiabetes.com. Check them out. They just had their big dance event. I bet you there are pictures and video floating all over their social media on Instagram, Facebook, and at dancingfordiabetes.com. That's a great question. I don't, I don't think that there's any, there is ignorance regarding diabetes, but I feel like there's a lot that people just aren't taught that they don't know that. So I don't like the word ignorance because I think everyone always has something to learn. Um, I do not have type one diabetes. I was not diagnosed with diabetes until my pancreas was taken out of my body by a surgeon. Okay. Now they stole it from you. They or, stole it. Or like black like, market. Was it, did you wake up in a tub full of ice? How did this go? Yeah, it was, it was crazy. It was just this black market weird. I'm just kidding. Um, <laughs> my pancreas was stolen on the black market? Question mark. I actually think it was sold on the black market. Sold, yeah. Stolen yes. in a CD motel room. Um, yes. If you believe all the movies. So, so you had. I'm going to assume, and then I'm going to ask you questions. But I'm going to assume you had some sort of a medical procedure, a necessity, and you lost your pancreas in the ensuing fight, I guess. So tell me what, what's, you know what, let's just, let's gild the lily a little longer. How did, how did this medical thing present? Were you perfectly healthy, skipping along through flowers, whistling with butterflies, and then all of a sudden you felt not well one day? What, what was? So that's actually exactly what happened. Um, I didn't get sick at all until I was about 24, 25 years old. Um, it was right after I moved to New Orleans. Um, I first was diagnosed with an autoimmune kidney disease, and that's its own podcast. So I won't go really into that. But um, a few months later, I had a, my first episode of pancreatitis. And I was in the hospital for four weeks, and they were really just trying to figure out why this was happening to me. Um, and it took a really long time to figure that out. Um, and there were a lot of speculations, a lot of reasons that weren't correct. I, it was, it was a long time. So well, can I ask a question before you yeah. forward? Let me ask you a question. Pancreatitis. Can you put that into context for people who don't know what it is? Because I hear that, I think of like they're on Grey's Anatomy, somebody has pain <laughs> in their side, they don't know what to say, they go, it might be pancreatitis. Yes. Yeah, so pancreatitis is when your pancreas is inflamed. So that's when pancreas and then itis at the end. Um, and it presents as very severe abdominal pain, kind of in the upper quadrants like kind of under your ribs like mm -hmm. 
around that area and it radiates to your back. So you could also have very severe back pain. Um, and I had both. Um, and I, so I woke up the day after Christmas, um, 2016, 2015, sorry, it's the timeline's wonky. And I had really bad stomach pain. Well, what I thought was stomach pain. I thought I had a stomach ache from eating too much on Christmas. I thought that it was just, you know, a little stomach bug and it was going to go away as the day goes on or I might be in bed all day. May I ask, and, what did you eat on Christmas? I know oh, nothing just to do a with lot the pain. Of, a I'm just lot wondering of, <laughs> what you ate that made you go, this incredible pain could be from what I ate yesterday. Yeah, that was a, a lot of raw cookie dough. That's what I thought it was. <laughs> I made cookies. I ate a lot of cookie dough. I'm like, the rumors are true. It does make you sick. (laughs) I knew I shouldn't eat an egg before it was cooked. (laughs) Yeah. So I thought that I was just sick, you know, just normal person sick. So I was in a lot of pain all day. I was just in bed. I like when I say I was in a lot of pain, like it's unfathomable pain. I, and then I was at my parents' house for Christmas. I went downstairs to my mom and I said, mom, I think something's wrong. Like, I think, I think I need to go to the emergency room. Like, this is not, this is not a stomach ache. Um, so my mom took me to the emergency room. Um, I could barely check myself in. I could barely sit in the waiting room. I was screaming in pain. They took me back. They did tests really quick. Um, they got me some medicine to make me feel not like I was dying. And they said, your pancreas is inflamed. You have pancreatitis. And I immediately was like, what is that? I don't know what that is. I'm 25 years old. I have no idea. Right. I, yesterday, I was just the person who was like, eating cookie dough is fine. That was the extent of like your thought process. And mm-hmm. sudden, tell me something about the pain for a second. Um, contextually, let's try to find the worst period you've ever had in your life. A hundred times worse, a thousand times worse. You thought somebody. I would say a million times worse. Gotcha. Stabbing, burning. It's, it was, so they ask you to say what your pain feels like. And it was kind of like a, I would always say gnawing. Like it just felt like it was consuming me and stabbing, burning, aching, throbbing, every word you can think of. That's the pain. Like, if you ever have that pain, if you're ever like, this hurts more than anything ever, go to the hospital because it's, it's probably something bad because I, I had had pain like that before. Um, and this is another issue with what I had been through. And I was misdiagnosed for several years. Um, I was diagnosed with constipation UTI, stomach flu, and that was, um, sorry, my dog is in the background. If you hear her, that's no, Hannah. She, she, um, that's fine. We don't hear Hannah. She, she, um, but anyway, so the, the fault is on the doctors, obviously, but it's also on me because I just went to an urgent care, and urgent cares aren't set up for doing the tests necessary. They can't do CT scans. They, they don't, they just run a simple blood test. They're not going to be able to see your pancreas enzyme levels. So when they look at your labs and they see your white blood cell counts high, they're like, Oh, well you have an infection. You might have a UTI because your back hurts. Gotcha. Yeah. It's very simple. Like, well, they follow, 
it's a checklist, really. I, mm-hmm. I, I know doctors per- personally; they would tell you the same thing. Like I go on historical and what your, you know, what your stuff is telling me. You know, you have a pain here. That's likely this. If yeah. it, it coincides with this, well, then that might be that. And it's just a. But when you're in incredible pain, like you're describing, that's of no um, comfort whatsoever. You know, I'm I'm in pain help me. And when they don't have an answer, they don't have an answer. Now, the interesting thing here is that anything could be inflamed in your home with the freezing cold temperatures that you keep the air conditioning at. Um, (laughs) Obviously, inflamed is more of like a, I don't know, it's a bigger word. It's not, it wasn't on fire. Uh, Now, now, now you mentioned before your kidneys and I know you're not going to go into it, but you were diagnosed. Can you just tell me what you were diagnosed with about your kidneys? Yes. Um, the condition is called IgM nephropathy and that's a big fancy word for, um, my kidneys don't filter protein correctly. Um, instead of filtering protein into my blood, which is what the filters of the kidneys are set up to do, mm-hmm. they filter protein into my urine and um, it causes a lot of issues. Um, I had to take high-dose steroids for a year and a half, which completely wrecked me and my body, and a lot of things happen with that. Um, I'm currently in remission, so that I am happy about that I'm, I don't have to worry about the kidneys right now. Um, I don't know what the future holds for them, but for a while it was very annoying. What else? Listen, I'm just going to jump right down this rabbit hole and ask the question. Do you have Go for it. any other organs that aren't working the way you expect, or would it be simpler to list the ones that work right? <laughs> I do always say that every organ is failing me, but um, I do have, a couple things here and there just because, so I will say with this pancreas surgery, kind of going back to what exactly happened with that surgery and why they had to take it out. When you have your pancreas removed, they can't just reach in and grab the pancreas and say, okay, all done. It's not like a gallbladder. It's not like an appendix. It's a very, very complex surgery and they have to take out a lot So they take out your pancreas, they take out your gallbladder, they take out your upper small intestine, which is called your duodenum, the lower portion of the stomach, and frequently the spleen, and in my case, they did take my spleen as well. I'm missing When you said frequently my spleen, I was like, oh, they totally took her spleen. Yes, of course. Of course they did. Just yesterday, I did what I call a pop-up podcast in person where I showed up somewhere and people from the podcast showed up and we just talked about diabetes. It was an absolutely amazing day and thank you to everyone who showed up. It was really mind-blowing to say I'm going to be in some rando place in Pennsylvania and 50 people came. One of the things that happened during that event that I was incredibly pleased by was I asked at the beginning, how many of you are wearing a Dexcom CGM? And I'm telling you, all but like four hands went up. It was nuts. There were 50 people there. Everybody's like, me. Like, woohoo. But for those other people who didn't raise their hand, and for you listening, you got to get to it. You got to go to dexcom.com forward slash juicebox and start using a continuous glucose monitor right now. And not just any CGM, the Dexcom G6 continuous glucose monitor. Mm -mm -mm, It works like magic. Harden's blood sugar actually got a little high tonight at dinner, and we've been bringing it down gracefully using the Dexcom. 
Today she was at school, I could see her blood sugar all day, with the share and follow features, right there on my iPhone. And if I had an Android phone, I would have been able to see it there as well. So really get what that means. No matter where my daughter is in the world, I can see the speed and direction of her blood sugar. It's mind-blowing. I know the longer Dexcom exists, the more that just seems normal, but you really have to focus on what I'm saying. It is next level. You trying to get to that ninja level diabetes care? I don't know how you do it without the Dexcom G6. And you can get started at Dexcom.com forward slash juicebox. There are also links in your show notes right there in your podcast player and at juiceboxpodcast.com. I guess I'm going to go backwards for a second and just ask you, when someone sits you down and says, we're going to remove all of these things from you, what's the feeling? Like, do you think, let me try to understand? Do you try to say, no, 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 you don't have to do that? Like, do you, I would run away probably, but what, what did you The first time I was told, um, I was coming out of anesthesia from a procedure, um, and my husband was with me and the doctor had just looked at my pancreas and had done like a a scope procedure where they're able to look at the pancreas and I was coming out of anesthesia. So if you've ever had anesthesia, you know that that time is, is a sensitive time and you're not fully aware and you're not, um, your emotions aren't all there. So I was kind of in disbelief and I also was sobbing. Jen, can I break the tension for a second? When I come out of anesthesia, I say incredibly inappropriate sexual stuff. (laughs) Every, every, I think it's happened to me too much that it's just like, get me the f- out of here. <laughs> we'll beep that out. Don't worry. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Sorry. No, 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 please. I, I just, I'm telling you, like, I couldn't on this podcast in a million years tell you what I, what I wake up from anesthesia and then say the worst things. My wife's always like to the nurse and it's only, I mean, a handful of times in my life, my wife, my wife's like, just ignore him. I'm so sorry. Like she's embarrassed. And I'm like, I'm sorry. I don't know what I'm saying. Then I say more of it. So, yeah. I'd be like, um, <laughs> I, I do this out of anesthesia too. So it's normal. <laughs> I don't, but, um, anyway, but so you're just, I mean, over, overridden with emotion and absolutely like, Oh my God, because what you just said, if you told me you were going to take any one of those things from me, maybe the pancreas worse than the rest of them. But if you told me you were taking my gallbladder, I'd be like, that doesn't sound like a good idea. I know that does something. The spleen, I believe from television, isn't that important, but what do I really know? And so like, but the pancreas, did you immediately think, but how am I going to make insulin? That wasn't my first thought. Um, so, you know, it wasn't just them telling me one time this needs to happen. And then the next day I went into surgery. It was, I was told this. And then I had consults with several doctors, several surgeons, um, because I was like, you know, who, who do I let do this to me? Like, like this can't be that common that just any, any old Joe doctor can, can do this. So um, the first doctor I saw uh, for a consult said that he had done three of these procedures. That's not comforting to me at all, but no, um, I did not have a surgery with him. Shocker. Um, the surgeon that I did see has done over 200. So I was very confident that he, he would do a good job, but it's, imagining the doctor holding up five fingers and going, see these fingers. That's not quite as many of these as I've yeah. done. And you being like, I have to go now. Thank you. Yeah. Who, who, really great talking with who, you. Who, who lets somebody practice on their 
removing their pancreas. Like I've never like who was the first one? Like guys, like I've never done it before, but I've seen a YouTube video that lines the whole thing up, and I've read all about it. I think this is going to be a hundred percent fine. Let's go for it. And who was like, yeah, yeah, go ahead, let's try it. Yeah, my husband is a surgical resident, and he has not been in this procedure. Yeah, like it's it's it not doesn't happen that frequently. It doesn't. Right. I mean. I'm lucky to have met a lot of people through support groups and things that have had the surgery, but um, you don't meet anyone just walking down the street. No, that's completely strange. Okay, so they take all of your other business out. I'm assuming you lost like 10 pounds just in organs. I was already huge from steroids. Uh, You you gain a lot of weight on steroids. So I wasn't a skinny legend at the time, um, but I'm sure I did lose a couple of pounds in organ loss. Skinny legend is a t-shirt, by the way. I can't get behind. I don't, I wouldn't be able to wear it myself. Although maybe it would be ironic if I wore one that said skinny. Oh, if I wore it, people would be like, I don't get it. (laughs) Uh, So, okay. So surgery's over. I think I really want to start with, um, I mean, just what it's like to, so you don't have type one diabetes. I mean, we've covered that, right? You yes. weren't diagnosed. You didn't have, uh, you know, something didn't happen to your body, blah, blah, blah. Someone came in and snatched out your, your, your pancreas. So yes. your body can't make insulin anymore, obviously. So you are insulin dependent, but not diabetic. I am diabetic. Um, whoa, whoa. I would, Jeez, you're freaking me out. How are you diabetic oh. then? <laughs> okay. So I, would be considered to have what is called type 3C diabetes or secondary diabetes, which means um, diabetes that happens because of something else, diabetes that happens because of pancreas disease. Uh, Frequently, when you have pancreatitis or pancreatic cancer, you will get diabetes as a result of that. That was like full-blown type 3C. Um, And it's also considered type 3C if you've had your pancreas removed. Um, so I do have diabetes in that I am on the diabetic spectrum. Um, I am 100% insulin dependent. I wear an insulin pump. I wear a Dexcom. Um, I see an endocrinologist every three months to get my A1C and, um, you're as much a part of the club as anybody else. Exactly. Okay. Uh, wow. So is it any different? I'm assuming you've heard people describe their diagnoses and diagnoses, C's, the time they were diagnosed and, and the impact it had. So were you more focused on your overall health and now the, the, the need for insulin was just this next thing you had to do or did you, sh- or was it so overwhelming that it shifted you away and that became your focus? So, um, diabetes was obviously something that I knew was going to happen. Um, so in my surgery, they did, um, I'm so complicated. I just keep adding layers to this story. Um, they did what's called an auto islet cell transplant where they take islet cells from your pancreas when they're removing it and they, um, isolate those in a lab and then they inject them into your liver hoping that they will be able to produce insulin. Um, Sometimes that works. Um, My surgeon told me about 30% of people that have this surgery become not dependent on insulin. So it's it's a low percentage. In my case, it was 0%. I came out of the surgery. They knew it wasn't successful. My pancreas was too damaged. They could not get enough islet cells 
to ever be able to produce insulin for me. So some, I have a very good friend who had the same surgery a couple years before me. She does not take insulin. Her islet cell transplant was successful. She is currently not, not needing insulin at all. But she's taking, um, does she have to take, are there any other medications she has to take to keep that going or are they just jammed no, in her liver and it just worked? They jammed them in her liver and it worked. I don't want to be too technical. Well, gee, then uh, isn't my question, why can't other people try that? Um, well, so it's an auto transplant, which means it's coming from me, auto, meaning myself. Singular. Um, So if, let's just say Arden wanted to have an islet transplant, um, she doesn't have functioning islet cells herself. So she can't have, she can't have her own islet cells put into her liver because her islet cells don't function. Um, and in order to take them from someone else, they would need to be dead, I guess. Well, um, you weren't when they took your, <laughs> yeah, I, I, I'm not a doctor. I don't know, but there are obviously reasons why this is not a common procedure because it's the rejection. It would, it would be happening. Yeah. Um, you would need anti uh, rejection medications. Which, likely. Yes. Yeah. Raise up your, your um, likelihood of getting cancer. And now you're just, you know, out of the frying pan into the, the fire, you know, kind of yeah. situation. Um, Plus, you know, any doctor is going to probably tell you if you're managing well with that, you know, with this and blah, blah, then we don't need to, you know, it's an invasive procedure. And I get all that. I wouldn't, I wasn't saying, why don't people do it? I was just trying to, I mean, you just painted this amazing picture where they were. Oh yeah. I was very hopeful. I was because they do kind of, um, make you think that it's going to work. Like before surgery, they were saying like, Oh, you know, we do this eyelid transplant and you could not need insulin. You could not need insulin. And, you know, you kind of get ready for that, mm-hmm. but you also have to get ready for the possibility that you will be fully insulin dependent for the rest of your life. Um, and going back to your previous question, you said, you know, was, was I focused on my health or was I preparing for diabetes? Um, obviously I knew that diabetes was going to possibly happen. It was not my biggest concern. I, Um, I had, so what the reason that they decided that this procedure needed to happen was because I had developed into chronic pancreatitis. Um, and the reasoning that this was all happening was I have mutations in two specific genes that can lead to chronic pancreatitis. The first one being a pancreatic gene, um, called S pink. And the other one is a, actually a cystic fibrosis gene. Um, people with cystic fibrosis very commonly have pancreas issues. Um, and I am a carrier of that gene and I have a mutation, but I do not have cystic fibrosis. Um, but I did have those two mutations. They said your pancreatitis is not going to get better. It is not a case where, Um, It's a one-time thing or, you know, it might get better with time. They said, this is it. You can either move forward with your life and have surgery and, you know, go towards a better quality of life and a better future. Or you could just be in and out of the hospital every couple weeks forever. So I think you uh, you did the right thing. Yeah. I mean, I didn't. I, I had a choice, but I didn't have a choice. Omnipod wants you to have a choice. 
they want you to be able to make the choice between being tethered and not. That's the difference between tubes and no tubing. If you choose Omnipod, you won't have tubing. You get to make another choice. Will you have to carry around a big thing with you that'll be attached to that tubing and keep that on your pants or clip to your shirt or to your bra, maybe? If you choose Omnipod, you won't have to make that choice. You won't have to decide where to clip that thing because that thing won't be attached to you. Pretty sweet, right? Now, you have a choice. When you go to the gym or you play sports, you can choose to leave your insulin pump on and get it knocked off or something weird like that or have it bouncing all over the place or the tubing get caught on somebody. Or you can choose to have an Omnipod and exercise and frolic any way you want without having to sacrifice your insulin. Right, Because when you take that other pump off, whatever that other pump is, you're not getting your basal insulin anymore. You're not able to bolus. You're disconnected, but not with Omnipod. You can play, and again, let's say frolic one more time because it was fun, with an Omnipod all you want. Also, if you want to go swimming or take a shower or a bath, get to keep your Omnipod on there too. Those other pumps, if you make the choice to get one of them, those pumps have to come off. Now, how do you know for sure if this choice is the right one? That's easy. You go to myomnipod.com forward slash juice box and get a free no obligation demo of the Omnipod sent directly to your home. That's right. You can try it on and decide for yourself because Omnipod is happy for you to have a choice. They think if you see the Omnipod, the choice will be obvious. So you had a problem with your pancreas and it had to come out. In the course of taking it out, you had to lose other organs. Did losing those other organs create new problems for you? Is diabetes your only new problem or are there others? So I do say that I traded one issue for new issues. I traded pancreatitis for diabetes and also digestive issues. Like if you're missing a chunk of your digestive system, things are bound to go awry. Um, I will also say that the pancreas has several functions that I don't think a lot of people know about. Um, A lot of people assume they get type 1 diabetes, their pancreas is useless, their pancreas is dead. Like, why do I even need a pancreas? It doesn't do anything. Um, That's absolutely incorrect. Um, The pancreas produces the enzymes necessary to break down food for you to digest. Um, So without a pancreas, I have to take an oral enzyme every time I put food into my body or else my body will not be able to digest that food. You're thinking about pre-bolusing, insulin, carb counting, taking a pill. I'm assuming picking the foods you know you do better with than others. There's a lot every time you eat. And it's not just taking a a pill for the enzymes, I have to know how much, how many, you know, how many pills do I need to take? What's the fat content in what I'm eating? Um, the frequency of what, how, when I eat them throughout my meal, I have to eat at the, I have to take an enzyme at the beginning of the meal, during the meal, at the end of the meal. If I mess up any little thing, I could pay for it later in the restroom. Jen, I just want to take a second and say that really sucks. I'm sorry. Yeah, it does. But it does get easier. Like it's not at first it was so hard. And that's exactly how it is with being diabetic. Like it's so hard at first. You have to learn 
how different foods affect you, affect you, how, you know, taking different amounts of insulin affects you. It's not just you're given a treatment plan. They're just like, Oh, take this, you know, this amount of insulin and that's it. Um, it's, it's the same way with enzymes. You kind of have to figure out what you need to do and it takes a long time, but I do feel comfortable with where I am right now. It's been two years since my surgery. Um, but I'm human. I make mistakes. I forget sometimes and things happen, but it's, it's manageable. Um, I was asked honestly the other day, um, I was asked by, I forget who they said, um, how's your diabetes going? Like, you know, in, in the grand scheme of how you're doing, like how's being diabetic. And I said, it's honestly the least of my concerns. It's so hard. It's so much work. It's 24 seven. It's, you know, it's, it's just as huge if I, as if I were type one diabetic, it's the exact same, you know, I, it's my whole life, but it's also the most manageable part. It's, it's, you know, my A1C, I just got back is 6.1. And I feel like I'm doing a really good job at this point in time with management. And especially with a Dexcom and Omnipod, it's. That's amazing. It makes it a lot easier. If this was 10 years ago, I might not be singing the same tune. We just, but we just walk out into the Gulf and keep going. Yeah. it's. Well, listen, I think that. You know, things that take up your energy and your, you know, your computing processes in your mind, like the, the amount of time and effort that you put into things sometimes becomes overwhelming. And, you know, oh, it's a lot of work. Yeah. And it becomes a lot of work. And then, you know, you say to yourself, well, what if, you know, what if I didn't have the time? What if, you know, what if, Jen, I'm assuming you're not a person who like, you know, installs telephone poles for a living, but what if you are? You know, like what if your job was up early in the morning, incredibly difficult, outside, not a lot of time. Like, you know what I mean? Like there are some people who have situations where they're, uh, you know, indoors. I know that doesn't seem like a big deal to people, but being indoors helps, you, you know, oh, like yeah. not not having to exhaust yourself physically so that you can maybe exhaust yourself mentally. That stuff helps when when, when I hear about people who you know, they're, they'll point to somebody and say, oh, they're not doing well or all that stuff that none of us want to hear. You know, you're uh, you know, not compliant. I wonder, do you really understand their entire situation, you know, and everything yeah. that impacts their day and their energy and their ability to even think about these things? And so you have all of these other things to think about, diabetes on top of it. And you're saying, at least with the technology, it's, it's easier. Yes. Uh, I was actually speaking with a woman this morning um, that she found me on Instagram. And um, a lot of the point of my Instagram is to educate people to the best of my ability and to meet people who are in similar situations than me. And I said to this woman, we were chatting about, you know, what we were both going through. And I said, unfortunately, no one's going to understand what we're going through unless you've been through it. Um, it's like my husband is a doctor and he does not fully grasp. Like he tries his best and everyone's going to try their best to, to be empathetic and sympathetic about it. But unless you've had this done, you don't, 
you don't know how actually physically exhausting it makes you. You don't know the pain that comes with it. You, uh, you could look at me from the outside or you can listen to me on this podcast and think like, Oh, she sounds great. Or she looks great. She's, you know, she's 28 years old. She seems like, you know, a healthy 28 year old. And I try to put on that vibe. I try to stay positive and optimistic and not like poor me. woe is me? Um, but I am struggling. I am going through a lot and it's really, really not easy. Yeah. Well, how does that, how does that show up? If you don't mind, I guess, talking about it, like, how does that show up in your life? Like when the struggle, you know, when I'm assuming when you get overwhelmed, right. How does, Mm -hmm. how does it manifest? Is it, do you not take as, does the care level drop off? Does. Oh yeah. It's, um, so I would say it mostly manifests in, I don't want to leave the house. I, I feel most comfortable when I'm at home and I can wear the clothes that I feel comfortable in. Like, um, my scar goes across my abdomen horizontally and it's right under my, where I would, where a bra would sit if I were to wear a bra and it is very, very uncomfortable. Um, and, and causes me more pain. So if I'm not comfortable wearing that out, I would rather stay home and be comfortable. Um, that's not the only reason that I like to, to stay home. I like to be near a bathroom. I like to be in a comfortable position. Um, sometimes standing up and moving around is hard for me. Um, so I would say it mostly manifests in I like to be home. Um, I do have a lot of anxiety. Um, I do have a little bit of PTSD when it comes to medical things um, that I get nervous. I'm a little bit of a hypochondriac now, but like I am I'm getting over a sinus infection that I've had for a long time. And I text my husband, like, can I die of a sinus infection? He's like, you might have meningitis, but you probably don't. I was like, don't say that to me. <laughs> like, your don't. Husband, you're like, bad news, I have nose cancer. Now, yeah, I was I, like, I well, now I definitely and, have know. meningitis. Way to give me meningitis. Somebody, I know. Somebody better teach Hannah how to sniff out all diseases. She could become a disease-sniffing dog. And that's, is it a girl, by the way, the dog? Yes. Yeah, I mean, it's a girl's name, but I don't Miss know. Hannah. This, day, this day and age, names don't appear to mean anything. So I wasn't sure. Uh, but, okay, wow. Uh, anxiety. Did you have anxiety prior to this? No. Okay. Um, so you didn't find yourself worrying you were sick prior to this having anxiety? No. None of that stuff. I mean, I had, I would say I had normal functioning, normal human anxiety. Everybody has a little bit of anxiety sure. about some things. Um, I would, I would think that most people do. Um, but it wasn't to the point that I needed to be medicated or that I needed psychiatric help. Um, it was mostly just work stuff or, you know, just, just things that a normal person would go through, not a sick person. Do you see a therapist now? I do have a psychiatrist that I see currently. I think I would too. Absolutely. Honestly. It's, it's tough though, because, um, my mental health, I always say that it's not when it, I did see a therapist for a time and I didn't find it helpful because it was a lot of talking and a lot of talking about what I'm going through, talking about my health. And I came to the conclusion that 
talking about what I'm going through doesn't change my physical situation. So it's not, it's not your standard depression, anxiety case where I could maybe like a serotonin imbalance or something. It's because I have medical problems. So talking about it didn't change the fact that I have medical problems. So talking about it isn't, uh, we're still trying to find the best way for me to, to cope and to deal with anxiety and things like that. But it's hard. No, of course. I, yeah. And so you go to a, a psychiatrist to try to find more like coping tools and, yes. uh, and so where the therapist is like, let's talk this out and make you feel better about it. And you're like, this exactly. Is, this isn't going to get better. I guess that would be like if I was tracked in a wrecked car and it was on fire and someone came along and said, let's talk this through. And exactly. I'm sure we can find a way to feel better about this. And you're like, no cars on fire. Can't get my leg out. Not going to feel better about it. Uh, yeah. Exactly. I, I listen, that makes sense. It's interesting. Your anxiety and your and your stresses and the things that you're describing are pretty reasonable responses to what's happening to you. Yeah, everyone says that. Everyone, yeah. like, oh, it makes sense that you're going through this. Like, it completely makes sense. Right. Um, but you have, and no, it's there's no end in sight. You, you there's oh no, yeah, it's not something right. that's just going to get better overnight. It's something that I'm going to have to deal with the rest of my life. Yeah. And um, the the recovery time for this surgery is frequently stated at three to five years. And I think that that's mostly just finding it a new normal, yeah. figuring out how to be human again. Yeah. You're healed inside, but the rest yeah. of it is just, it's learning to walk with your new reality, basically. Yes. All over again. Exactly. Well, that's, um, Hmm. What's the word I'm looking for? Horrible. And, uh, and I'm so, again, I'm sorry. I, I, I will have to say though that, um, I mean, if you're pretending, you're pretending really well. Yes. I, I do pretend really well. Um, so, so like they, I said, I don't like, I don't like people to feel sorry for me. I don't like to be the center of attention and, you know, going to a family function or going to a friend gathering and people being like, how are you doing? How are you doing? How are you doing? Like, like I, I feel like I my that. health has become my personality, and yeah, that's horrible. Like I don't love that, but at the same time, I just try to flip it and make it a positive, gotcha. and just be like, I have all this horrible stuff happening to me, but I, you know, I'm able to do my best. Do you have Do you have any idea what the pathway to it not making you feel anxious is? Is it like acceptance? Is it well, that, that, no, I, because I feel, I feel with it. I feel acceptance. Like I have been accepting of this for quite a while. Like ever since the surgery happened, like you got, you kind of have to, yeah. if you don't, then it's going to make life a lot harder. Um, if you don't kind of tackle it head on. But, um, I think a lot of it, cause I've never gone to a doctor or psychiatrist and then given me an answer and then have them saying like, this is what we need to do and this will make you better. Mm -hmm. So here's a, here's a question that as I ask it, I think don't ask this question. Cause if the answer, you can ask. If the answer is not what you think, it's going to be horrible. Would you say that you're still happy that you went through the surgery or should you have just lived with the pain? Um, happy. I don't know about happy. Um, I think that 
You still feel like you made the right decision? I think I made the right decision. Um, It's different than what I expected. Um, I was expecting, because I was in a lot of pain before surgery. Mm -hmm. I was expecting the second that pancreas came out, I was expecting it. I mean, obviously, surgery causes pain. So I I knew I was going to come out in pain. But I was expecting, once that I was recovered from surgery, I was expecting life to be better and it's not, it's, it's different, bad. it's different. Um, and like my quality of life is, it was supposed to improve. And it's so like, I sound so sad, but like, I don't want anyone to feel no, sad for me, no, but you're, you're being descriptive and, and yeah. no, I don't listen, I don't feel bad for you. And I don't think anybody listening is going to put you in that box. I think that you're, you're doing a great thing by coming out and explaining something that not a lot of people understand. And I think that there's a ton of overlap with someone who has type one diabetes or anyone who has a chronic illness, uh, with what you're saying, you know, so I think you're just, you're just helping people. I don't, I don't see this as sad or, you know, for you to be uh, pitied. Yeah. So my biggest, I would say my biggest issue that I feel that I face post-surgery is pain, like physical pain. I have what's called adhesions. And what adhesions are is like when you have surgery or you have something removed or, you know, anything that they're messing with your insides, you have to develop scar tissue. Like your, your insides have to heal and sometimes it's not perfect and scar tissue can grow between organs the wrong way and that causes pain. So my organs are kind of stretching in different directions that they're not supposed to. And that causes me very severe physical pain. Um, and that pain is so severe that I can't work. I can't have a full-time job. I can't, I am not a normal functioning member of society. I was a dental hygienist, um, as my profession before I got sick, um, for about three years. And, I'm not a dental hygienist anymore. And that sucks because I absolutely loved it, but I I will never, I mean, I, I won't say never, but if I'm predicting the way that my timeline is going, I won't have the physical stamina to do that job ever again. So that's, that's what I, Yeah. yeah, that's what I feel like is the hardest part about the surgery that I have is not, I mean, not everyone has adhesions the same way and not everyone has pain after surgery. I know people that are, that went back to work six weeks later. And I know people that I would say most of the the people that I know that have had the surgery don't go back to work. Um, and I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. It wasn't something you knew prior. You know that now from being involved in the community and talking with people since it's happened to you. Can you do like, you know, a lot of people who are hairdressers cut hair out of their house. Can you clean teeth out of your house or would you be breaking some sort of a, 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 a law? I'm sorry. That's against the law, unfortunately. Um, but Hannah has amazingly clean teeth, I'm assuming. Because... <laughs> she does. <laughs> if she if she tolerated a toothbrush. Now I'm but trying I to have, figure out. I you... have cleaned her teeth before, yeah. like with a, an instrument. Can a person clean their own teeth? Oh, absolutely. So you're saving a little bank there with that. Not a lot. Not that's. Yeah. I clean my teeth all the time and it's, it keeps me in it. I mean, I'm like, you know, I get to clean somebody's teeth, but you give yourself a toothbrush and floss after you're done cleaning your own teeth. 
No. No. Oh, yeah. And the little bag, right? You should... <laughs> I know. I do have, I have so much like samples and things. My husband's an oral surgeon. So oh. he, we have like a lot of toothbrushes around. So if anyone ever comes to visit, don't worry about right, forgetting your toothbrush right. because. I... When you said samples, I made air quotes standing here because I was like, oh, they stole that stuff. <laughs> we did not steal it. It comes in the mail. I'm joking. But it was so funny. I was thinking like, oh, samples. samples. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I gotcha. All right. Listen, we are about 10 minutes off of an hour, so we're going to have to find something to tie this to. Let's talk about diabetes. Okay. I feel like this is a diabetes podcast. I feel like I should... We talk should talk about, about diabetes. diabetes. All right, so cool. So how do you manage? Um, um, so when I was first um, diagnosed with diabetes was after my surgery. And, um, you know, I was in the ICU for 10 days. So at that point, I was just like on an insulin drip. Mm-hmm. But then when you get into recovery and you're getting better and you're getting ready to be released from the hospital, in that moment, you are a newly diagnosed type 1 diabetic. It's the same exact education, a diabetes educator comes in, they teach you how to inject, they teach you about carb counting and about, you know, everything, you know, when I'm sure every single type one has a diagnosis story that they're in the hospital or they're at their doctor's office and they're thrown into this new lifestyle that they weren't expecting. Yeah. Um, I, I'm different in that I knew that it was coming and I tried to prepare to the best of my ability. Um, but I surprisingly didn't get a lot of education prior to the surgery. Like I wasn't, I didn't go in knowing like, Oh, this is exactly what I need to do. Yeah. You were probably my, busy. Yeah. I was a little busy. <laughs> Plus you were hopeful. You had, you had 30% hope that this wasn't going to happen to you. Yeah. Right. Luckily my grandmother had type two diabetes that my mom helped her with. And so my mom had a knowledge of injecting insulin and what comes with that. So luckily my mom had a base of knowledge to help me. I did not have that knowledge, but, um, a diabetes educator came in. I was on pain medication. I was out of it. I was in pain. I was tired and I had to learn everything. Yeah. And then I left the hospital and I was on Humalog injections and Lantus. And for a couple of months, it was just learning how to do that. And then I was getting pretty used to that. And I was like, I'm ready. I'm ready to get the technology. I want the best thing I can get. I want to have, you know, an easier time with this. Like I know that it's possible. I know I'm the kind of person that will do a lot of research on something. So I knew about all the pumps. I knew about the CGMs. I was like, just ready to do it. So you found found the diabetes community online as well as the support for your, for your pancreas. Yes. I immediately found the Instagram community of type one. And I was like, okay, like if you guys don't mind, like I'm going to join, like I'm going to, I'm going to follow everybody. I'm going to support everybody. Make myself one of you. And throughout my journey, um, you know, you post one picture on Instagram, you're not going to, 
immediately meet all these people. Um, throughout the time that I've had an Instagram, I've met so many people that are in similar situations than me. And it's, it's very helpful to me because before I had the surgery, I did have one friend who um, had also had the surgery and I went to her for a lot of, it was a really weird situation. Uh, like a childhood friend of mine had the same exact situation, the same exact surgeon, the same exact surgery in Cincinnati. And it was just absolutely bonkers. But I, I leaned on her a lot for support during the beginning. And I still do. She's one of my very good friends. But I've met a lot of people and been able to learn how different people manage it. And I also met a lot of type one friends. And uh, I think type one is the closest thing to what I'm going through. And I, I can't just say like, oh, I'm a type one. And I think a lot of a lot of people without pancreases just say type one because it's easy and it. So people, is that something that somebody has called you on or is it just something you trying to be delicate with other people and not say, hey, I have what you have when you technically didn't get it the same way? Is that just no, you trying to be sensitive or you've heard back from people? From the beginning, I made it clear that I was a little bit different. I didn't want to, I didn't want to say I was type one because I'm not like, I, I don't know. I, but well, I've learned insulting to other people. I don't, it might be, I don't see why. Um, I, I mean, I would say sometimes I do personally get offended when there's people that don't understand that the pancreas does a lot more and are quick to kind of, I don't know, like no one's mean, no one's like vicious no one's about it. Like, like and been like, hey, look, yeah. have that. okay. So you were just trying to be reasonable and say. Yeah, but I have run into tips with people here and there that I'm like, you know, we'll get in a little comment battle, but I, I never have malicious intent, but I'll be like, hey, like, you know, this is what I'm going through. If you want to chat more about it, like this is, you know, your pancreas isn't dead. You, your pancreas has a lot of functions. If you didn't have it, you would miss it. Yeah, I hear what you're saying. Yeah, so so when you see people be like, I have a useless pancreas, you're like, eh, it's actually got more uses than you think. And That's well, exactly what it is. It's gotcha. like, so it gets to me because I don't want people to have that mindset. I... Because that's it's kind of a negative way to think about it. And I'm like, okay, well, you know, it does. And uh, pancreas also produces glucagon. And some type 1s don't produce glucagon at all. But glucagon is kind of what bounces to make you not so brittle in diabetes. It kind of keeps things level. And without a pancreas at all, you don't have alpha cells. Alpha cells produce glucagon. A type 1 does have alpha cells. I'm not going to say that every type 1 has functioning alpha cells because that's not accurate. But, like, there are so many little things. Like, if you, you know, went and deep, deep dove on Google about what a pancreas does, it's, it's way more than just insulin. Well, I believe, so I, by the way, that you and your childhood friend were bitten by the same radioactive spider. Because I don't, for the life of me, when you said that someone at home 
in Ohio who you knew before had the same thing, who eventually saw the same doctor, that's mind-numbingly... It's crazy. We were on the same swim team, so I'm thinking, like, something in the pool. Have you have you considered like that idea that you both lived around something that put you in this situation? No, because we both had things that are genetic, um, things that we were born with. So, um, but it is just crazy coincidental. Mm. And it's, she was someone that I hadn't talked to since childhood. And she posted on Facebook and was like, Oh, like a lot of, you know, I had my pancreas taken out. And I was like, Hold on. You were like, hey, stop right there. I had my pancreas out. This is totally I was like, perfect. I need to message you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We need to talk because that's, it's not something that. I mean, just to find somebody who's had the procedure is probably not that common. And then to find somebody who actually knows just. just it's I mean, my age. Wonderful. Yeah. Are you guys friends now? Oh, yeah. We're really close friends. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. Oh, all right. So, oh, but, oh, so you got off the pens. You went to a pump. Um, you have a CGM and do you, I mean, I know you said you listen to the podcast. Do you do stuff sort of the way we talk about it here or? Yes. Um, so I love the bold with insulin episode. Um, I, I feel that I kind of already did that before I had listened to the podcast and that kind of reinforced that I was doing things correctly. I mean, I'm not saying that your advice, medical advice, but it, it has, helped a lot of people and it has, you know, reinforced that insulin's not something to be afraid of. Um, and kind of know how to, how to do, use it to your personal body and how you, how you figure out you need to use it. Yeah. It's not something to be afraid of. It, it, you don't have to have a resting blood sugar of 180. Like it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. So I'm um, very I, I'm thrilled. Does having your blood sugar in a more stable, lower range give you any relief beyond, you know, beyond what we would all expect? I mean, does it help other parts of your health? I mean, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, do you notice, I guess, when your blood sugar is higher bouncing around, do you notice other issues or is it hard to put two and two together? Um, yeah, it's a little hard because I, you know, I already suffer from nausea, from GI upset, you know, from exhaustion. So when my blood sugar is high, I'm not like, Oh, I feel this way or I have a headache or, you know, it's because my blood sugar is high. Mm -hmm. Um, but so personally, I don't experience a lot of the, the symptoms that, or I don't know if I experience a lot of the symptoms of high blood sugar, but I'm a micromanager. So I like, I watch my Dexcom and I, I tweak as I need. Um, and I, I like, I, kind of to a fault. Like I go to my endocrinologist and she knows that I, I watch every single basal rate. I have a different basal rate for every hour of the day. I am crazy. Does it work? But it works. It works. Uh, nobody's crazy. I, you know, I'm a, uh, I was, you know, I, I like the set one and kind of adjust idea, but if you can figure it out, I mean, if you can figure out absolutely positively, I'm, you know, I'm 1.5 at noon, but I need to be one at, at three, then, I mean, by all means, go for it, you know? Yeah, that's how mine is. Yeah. I would think... It, it, I was down just, to like the 0. 0.5. Okay, hey, we need to take it from 1.25 to 1.3. And, you know, it's, I'm not perfect. I don't have an A1C of, in the fives. I have had it in the fives, but I'm comfortable having it in the sixes. Um, 
I, agree. I mean, six six point one. I'm very comfortable with that. I was shocked to see that that's where I was at last time, Congratulations. but I, I'm happy with it. Yeah, congratulations! Happy you should. I mean, I'm not. I'm the one to tell you what you should think, but I'd be ecstatic if I was you. That's, I'm ecstatic. Yeah, that's amazing. I felt like I got an A on it. I have you. Hey, I I mentioned this. I I mentioned this. I thought of this earlier and didn't ask. Uh, and as we come to the end, it's, it's, it's weighing on me. So, um, your husband's in residency. Are you alone a lot of the time? Is he All the very, time. He's very busy. Very busy. Um, so right now he is, so we live in new Orleans. He today had to move to Baton Rouge, which is about an hour and a half away. And he has to live in Baton Rouge for the next two months. Um, so, and even if he's not in Baton Rouge, if he is in new Orleans, he works, he leaves, you know, four or 5 a.m. He gets home six, seven o'clock. We have dinner and then we go to bed. <laughs> so I'm home by myself a lot of the day. My dog, Hannah, is my absolute best friend in the entire world. And I know people say their dogs are their best friend, but like, she's, she's, is, huh? yeah. she's, she's literally like, I just hang out with her all day. I talk to her like, Jen, you need someone to accept the fact that you're not wearing a bra and not judge you. That's exactly, and that's who Hannah can be. My, I have to say, <laughs> I was gonna say, I, you know, I don't have. I'm getting more comfortable. Like my next door neighbor, I'm very close friends with her, and <laughs> she knows my struggles. And I'm like, girl, now that you know, I'm sorry, yeah. um, but I'm not wearing a bra. I'm not, not wearing yeah. my bra. <laughs> I yeah. have to tell you, my neighbors know I'm not walking the dog in a bra. If you see me out, then. Judge me if you will, but you don't know what I'm going through. I swear to you, I my wife would be horrified, but if I shared this, so obviously I will. But uh, many nights I see her sit down after work. I, she fiddles around, and then I see her reach up underneath of her shirt, and boom, here comes her bra. It's, oh, right out the sleeve, yeah. Yeah. At some points, we have bra collections in the living room, so I don't have breasts myself. Um, not yet. I'm I'm getting older and working on them. But uh, <laughs> but, but one, one day I I but watching her, the relief on her face. I'm being serious for a second. The relief on her face when she takes her bra off is amazing. And if I had, if she had a scar where that bra was resting, I imagine it would be just kind of terrible to deal with constantly. I'm sure every woman listening can attest that there's no better relief than taking off your bra at the end of the day. And if we all could just live in a brawless, brawless world, all would be forget world peace. We need, we need no bra world. Well, Jen, listen, I've never put any thought into this, but as a heterosexual man, I would like to start the march for no more bras. I think we appreciate your effort. I, I appreciate that you appreciate my appreciation of your appreciativeness because <laughs> I really think that would make my life better overall. Um, I don't know. I have to think about it. All right, listen, did your dog just eat your foot? What just happened there? Someone knocked on the door. <laughs> I you were being so I'm like literally running away. <laughs> I just thought like, this would be great. Like the podcast ends now and then there's a postscript. Jen was murdered just moments after the podcast was recorded by Hannah, who apparently did yes. not like her comments about friendship. And I, because it's, yes, it's I'm so like, I love my dog. She's my best friend. <laughs> Rest in peace. <laughs> she's got so loud. Listen, I really appreciate you doing this because you shared a lot of stuff that is just, you know, next level personal and, and thank you very much. No, I'm very happy to, as I said, I've been looking forward to this for six months since we, we literally booked this in December and every single day I've been looking forward to it. 
every single podcast that comes out, I'm like, I can't wait till it's my turn because it's, I feel like my story is just a little bit different, but it's also, I can, I can relate to everybody, but I can also give a different perspective on. Did I do okay for you? Are you happy? with? Oh, you did great. Really good job. I told you not to worry. (laughs) It was a lot. It was easy. I I was just nervous that I wasn't going to come prepared with the right information because I'm not a doctor. I'm not an expert. I just know what I know based on my experience and I can only yeah. get that. Well, I appreciate that. Listen, you have to go uh, because your dog's the FedEx guy. So <laughs> the FedEx guy right now is like, lady, come take this package. And now, and now look, it, now my like, husband's going to know that I ordered something from Amazon. Well, not only that, but now the FedEx guy after being attacked by your dog is going to see you without your bra on. So it's going to be a full day for him. This is a full day for me too. It's this, it's not even noon and I'm, It's been a day. Yeah, I appreciate that. All right, great. I will talk to you soon. Thanks, Scott. Have a great day. You too. (laughs) I have to admit, there was a moment during the podcast where I was like, oh, Hannah is making so much noise. But by the end, I really embraced it. I was like, this is hilarious. So I left it in for you. I actually left in uh, after this. There'll be a little bit from the beginning where where Jen was figuring out where the noise in her room was coming from, and I found it absolutely entertaining. So let's leave that in, too. We'll call that bonus content that you might not want. Thanks so much to Dexcom, Omnipod, and Dancing for Diabetes for sponsoring the Juicebox podcast. Please go to dancing4diabetes.com. Do it frequently. Go to dexcom.com forward slash juicebox to get started today with the Dexcom G6 continuous glucose monitor. And, of course, to get a free no obligation demo of the Omnipod sent directly to your home. It's myomnipod.com forward slash juice box. Thank you very much. All right. I'm glad you guys are here. I love that you're listening. Downloads are crazy. Um, I mean, just hit like 1.2 million downloads for the show. Um, I'm in awe every time. And I, I alluded to it earlier, but it was absolutely it kind of just took my breath away that 50 people showed up that I did that one of you, a listener just found a space, actually Alyssa. Thank you, Alyssa found a space and said, Hey, this is pretty close to your house. Would you come here? And I said, yeah, I'll do that. And so we threw it up on Facebook and in a week, 50 people, and I'm telling you, this is not like a major metropolitan area. I was really touched I mean, I was touched and I was impressed by the podcast, not me, the podcast. Like, how does it reach that many people? It was really cool. We got together. I did my presentation from the JDRF events, and then we did a Q&A for like two hours. I felt so good about it. People came from as far away as three hours. Like, they drove real great distances to come. I was just very, um, it was touching, if I'm being perfectly honest. Anyway, thank you for that. Thanks for the latest reviews on iTunes or I think we're supposed to call it Apple Podcasts now, but thanks for leaving those. They were really touching. And all the notes you guys send, I just really, I get a lot out of them. So thank you very much. Have a great night. And here's some extra stuff where Jen can't figure, you know, whatever. Blah, blah, blah. Here it comes. How are you doing? I mean, I I did like this huge home project yesterday outside. It was like a lot of work. And the 30-year-old me who told the 47 year old me that it wasn't going to be trouble lied to me because the last time I did something like that was about 15 years ago. And I woke up this morning and my wife's like, how's everything going? I was like, my shoulders are 
burning. And uh, I'm going to. I did the same thing. Like we have a, a deck in our back or we had a deck in our backyard that was like dilapidated mm-hmm. and our landlord pulled it out. And then there was like a bunch of garbage and like random stuff. And I was like, I'm just going to go out there and pick everything up. And then the next day, my quads were so sore. <laughs> and I was like, you would have sworn that I like did some really did some heavy yeah. workout. Well, I had 45 cubic yards of topsoil that I had to move around with a small machine, like a small like bucket thing. And then by hand, it all had to be raked. And my wrists and my forearms and my shoulders, it's terrible. Oh, I just put in my headphones. Can you hear me? Okay. I can, but there's a noise behind you. So I'm okay. Sure. So do you have a fan in the room on and air oh, I I do have the AC on. I think I'll die for a little bit, but I, it's okay. Jennifer, I keep if it makes you feel better. In the dead of summer, a woman did the podcast in her car, not running with the windows closed. Oh God, no, that, thank you. That's how badly she wanted to be on the okay, podcast. Okay, so I, I keep my house. I keep my house at 65 degrees, so I think I can it'll, handle it'll, it'll it. Like <laughs> it should. <laughs> Let me make sure that everything's off. Why aren't you turning off? Unless is that traffic too? No. No, it's the air. It's air. Yeah. Hold on. Is that better? You have to speak. Is that better now? Yes. So prior, when you were speaking, here's what it sounded like. You were like, hey, is that better? And behind you, it was this. <sighs> so now that's gone. Oh, oh, that was my dog just breathing. No, 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 no. <laughs> So anyway, if you feel like you're going to pass out, we'll stop and cool the room. No. <laughs> yeah, I'm okay. That's precisely why I keep it so cool in case something happens and then like... Because I live in Louisiana, so oh, like. Okay. So for the first twenty minutes of the apocalypse, you'll be okay. Yes, I will be. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly true. Because it's our AC's gone out before, and it's already been like, like I, it had been set at like seventy something, and I'm like, oh no. I can imagine. It's just such a hot part of the country. So, so, so Jen, do you? I don't know if you listen or not. So I do. Oh, okay, this is going to be super informal and casual. At whenever you're ready, you're going to introduce yourself any way you want to be known. You could okay. say I'm Jen. You know, you could say I'm Billy. I don't care. Um, <laughs> I, I will. Hi, I'm Billy Eilish. Exactly. Go that way. Um, and you know, I didn't know if you want to be. I don't think you do. You publish stuff. I'm sure you don't mind your name being out there. No, I don't. Right. Uh, and then I'm going to ask you a question. You'll answer it. We'll say stupid things to each other, and an hour from now we'll be all finished. Okay. So in my intro. Do you want me to just kind of say like about my diabetes or just say uh, hi, I'm Jen. You were overthinking this already. I know. (laughs) I've been overthinking this for six months. You really have to stop. And and so you and I cannot be together if my wife dies. Um, I've already watched another person overthink everything. I can't take it anymore. It's okay. Uh, (laughs) No, so seriously, all you need to do is just say, hey, my name is Jen or whatever you're going to say. Blah, 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 blah. You don't have to give a big backstory. As a matter of fact, I prefer you don't because I'd rather okay. come out in the story than for you to just like put it out on front street and people are like, well, I don't have to listen now. The girl just told me the whole thing in 30 seconds. So, okay. So, just your name and, and, um, and I'll ask you the next question. Okay. I'm so 
Okay. Jen, I hope you know that I don't know what the next question is going to be. I know. It's okay. No, I feel like once it gets flowing, it's going to be great. But like. Have you ever heard an episode that you thought sucked? No. All right. Well, then this will be fine. too. <laughs> you can find Jen on Instagram at Jen has diabetes. And I can't believe I'm going to tell you this, but Hannah the dog is there too as Hanny the dog. It's H-A-N-N-I-E.